Hello, my sweet friends. I feel so fortunate that you're joining me for season two of the Failing Awesomely podcast. My hope is that you can find encouragement while listening to my personal stories of overcoming life's obstacles, whether you're chasing big dreams or just trying to make it through the day as a mama of little ones. I'm excited to bring my friends along to inspire you with their stories as well. Let's empower one another to stop selling ourselves short, stop the negative self-talk, and focus on what makes us awesome, because we all are. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. And it's time we start believing that. Hello, and welcome back to the Failing Awesomely podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Garcia, and I'm so grateful that today I get to share with you my conversation with my dear friend, Karen Higby, aka Wifey, as I call her, and we explained that in the beginning of the episode. She came vulnerable and real and raw and ready to share her story of two miscarriages that she experienced and we share in that together I had a miscarriage back in December of 2019 Um, but you get to hear her story and her heart and you get to hear a little bit of mine I did share my experience earlier in in a past episode I believe it's episode nine I share my miscarriage story so if you want you can go back and listen to that episode as well but This episode is truly for anybody who has either experienced a miscarriage or knows somebody who has. And I think a lot of us do because the statistics are are really crazy. It's one in four to five women will experience a miscarriage in their lifetime. So the chances are very, very high that if we don't experience one ourselves, we know somebody who, who has or will. And I think this is a great real conversation to be able to understand the pain and the grief that you go through and really all the emotions that you go through, the guilt, the shame, the the wonder of is is there something wrong with me? Is is this ever going to happen for me? But also getting to the clarity that Karen talks about in how freeing it can be if you allow yourself to just accept that you cannot control what happens in your life. You can only control how you react to it. We go into how this kind of grief and pain of a miscarriage affects our partners and our close family and friends and the people around us who care about us and love us and how we kind of carry that weight as well. But there is hope. There is always hope and we can trust that the Lord never allows anything to happen, that there can't be some good that comes from it. And I hope that if you have experienced a miscarriage, that you can at least eventually get to a place of rest in that. I hope that this episode helps you to feel heard and understood and comforted and not alone because you're not. And I hope that it it encourages you to share your story with others so you can find that support system for yourself because I think that that is so important. But without further ado, please welcome my dear friend, Karen, aka Wifey Higby, to the show. Well, hey, wifey, Hi. <laughs> a.k.a. Karen Higby, which is just weird for me to say. So for everybody listening, I do have to give a disclaimer before we even start. I know that we're talking about a very serious topic, but Karen and I <laughs> <laughs> have been friends for well over a decade. And back in our mid to early 20s, we just coined the phrase wifey for each other. Um, probably back in our guys suck days. We're- <laughs> definitely, definitely. We were both single and we were not interested in dating no. anymore. 
No. So we became each other's wifey and that's what we called each other. We depended on each other. We had each other and that worked for us. So I will, you will hear me call her wifey because I don't think I have said Karen for years. So it's just going to kind of be really hard to break that habit. But we are both here to share your story, wifey, and to also get into a discussion just talking about miscarriages in uh, for women and um, what it does to us emotionally and physically and how common it is. I think we are talking a little bit more about it now. I hear a lot more about miscarriages. I think that... Um, just the uncomfortableness has kind of been lifted a little bit through social media. So some people are getting louder about it because they want people to feel less alone, which I think is amazing. Um, and that's what we're doing today. I have already shared my miscarriage story. Um, that is episode, I want to say nine or 10. It was back in the beginning in season one. So I have already shared my miscarriage story. Um, wifey, you're going to share yours and um, I have some questions for you and we're going to have a discussion about a few things. So if you could, I would love for you to, with whatever you're comfortable sharing with, share your stories because you've had more than one miscarriage, right? Yes, I've had two, um, two extremely different circumstances, but I think it's so important to talk about it because, you know, no experience is the same. Um, even if it's the same person having multiple miscarriages or just one story to the next. Um, so I just, you know, one of the things that I felt when, you know, it first happened was that I just had no idea how common it was. And until it happened to me and I started researching it and like looking for support online and things like that, I had zero clue that it happened to so many people. And I think it's just because, you know what, like, it's not fun to talk about. It's not oh positive. God. It's, you know, probably a source of trauma that people just kind of like bury under the surface and hope it goes away. Yep. Sounds about right. And yeah. what, when was, how long ago was your first miscarriage and what, what happened in that experience? Um, so the, going back to 2016, so I was married at the time and we were trying to have a baby. Um, and it took a little while, like it wasn't, you know, so many of us have girlfriends where it's like, oh, we're going to try and have a baby. And then like two months later, they're like, I'm pregnant. You know, and you're like, wow, this is like super easy. You know, you just get ready and you try and, and it's going to happen. Right. So it probably took about a year and a half and I wasn't, you know, overly obsessed with like tracking cycles or anything like that, but, um, it did, you know, it finally happened and I was so excited and relieved and just thinking, okay, like there's nothing wrong with me. This is, you know, this is finally happening. And, um, but because I was in my early thirties, um, and I had had, you know, some endometriosis issues when I was young and things like that. My doctor, some doctors won't even see you until you're like eight, 10 weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. My doctor was like, no, you should just go ahead and come on in. And so it was like a week after I had had my test and I go in and, you know, I'd had this doctor for several years. We had, you know, we were, I trusted him a lot. We were super tight. And, um, and so he does an ultrasound just to like, look like, okay, let's, let's see what's going on here. Cause of course, as soon as you walk in the office, they're going to give you a test, even though you've taken 27 at home because you don't actually <laughs> believe it's happening. Um, so anyway, so he does the ultrasound and he's just like, I don't see anything. And I was like, what do you mean you don't see it? I'm looking at the screen. I'm like, what? And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything, but that doesn't mean anything because you could be earlier than you think you are. And, okay. you know, instead of six weeks when something would actually show up on here, you're probably five because I mean, the test was clearly positive. Um, but I knew, like, I just knew, like in my gut, I was like, something's wrong. Something is definitely wrong. Um, and within, you know, I would say 24 to 48 hours, I started bleeding, mm. which, you know, is a tall tale sign, but also you read all of these things. It's like, Oh no, just because you're bleeding doesn't mean you're losing it. A lot of people bleed in the beginning. You know, my doctor was even like, well, 
let's look again in a week because just because you're bleeding doesn't mean you're losing it. I'm like, okay, well, I bled for like a day or two and then it stopped. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it, maybe he's right. Like, so then, you know, you, I looked forward to the next appointment and it was, you know, the same result, but unfortunately it wasn't like a, a normal miscarriage. They never saw the actual pregnancy, but my body also wasn't getting rid of it, um, wherever it was like it should have. So it, it kind of like spun into a very long few months of, you know, where is the pregnancy? Is there a risk of ectopic that could rupture and then be a super serious for me, you know, bleeding internally, um, and things like that. And I actually, you know, switched doctors in the middle of all of it because I didn't, I, I wanted a second opinion, you know, yes, it's like, absolutely. okay, I'm bleeding and then I'm not. And then I'd bleed for a day and then I wouldn't. And this went on for like three months. Um, so finally I found a new doctor at Vanderbilt and, she did every test under the sun possible to figure out like where this pregnancy was. We never found it. Um, but she also like guided me for the next three months. I went and had my blood work done every week, um, to make sure that my HCG levels were dropping normal miscarriage situation. You start bleeding and whether you're in the hundreds or the thousands HCG wise, you know, you, it drops dramatically. Mm-hmm. Super fast. And what was happening with me was it was dropping like by 20 or 30 every week. And so that was alarming. Um, But aside from like going in with a scope and physically trying to find it, which my doctor wasn't, she was like, I just don't want to have to do that. As Mm -hmm. long as your levels drop some, I can watch them until they hit zero. And so, you know, that took about three months and It was, um, it was a process. I mean, aside from the initial, you know, feelings that you have as a woman, when you have a miscarriage, which we'll get into those in a minute. Um, it was like, my body still thought I was pregnant Mm -hmm. because that HCG wasn't dropping. I was still nauseous. I was still bloated. You know, my breasts still hurt. I was super fatigued. And so telling myself that I wasn't pregnant anymore, but still feeling pregnant for three months, it was, it was very hard to process. I cannot imagine emotionally what a roller coaster that was like to clinically see it for what it was, but physically and emotionally going through the motions of a first trimester pregnancy. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was just almost like an out of body experience, I would say, because, you know, a lot of times it, it, your body doesn't go through the process of, of, you know, passing the pregnancy. So you have to have a DNC. Well, in my case, that wasn't an option because it wasn't in my uterus. Mm. So there was nowhere to go get it, you know, unless it was like an exploratory surgery, which would have been one dangerous, but, you know, it was just like, okay, you just kind of have to ride this out and hope that, you know, your, your body eventually does what it's supposed to do. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that it was probably mentally the hardest three months of my life. I can just trying to like, not, (laughs) not be pregnant, but feel pregnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wifey. And then you unfortunately had to go through this again differently, but a second miscarriage. And how long after your first miscarriage did you have your second? I know it was least a couple, maybe three years. Right. Yeah. It was right about, um, three years. So my first one was in 2016. I was in my early thirties. Um, and then my second was in 2019. So I was like mid thirties by then, um, two completely different experiences. Um, but I had, you know, you know, there's a blood test, right? So when you get pregnant, they go in, they can test your HCG, especially if you're one high risk, Mm -hmm. which by this time, you know, I'm in my mid thirties to, um, you've had previous miscarriages. 
so they can test your HCG levels. They make sure they're like doubling or tripling every 24 to 48 hours like they're supposed to. And that can give you like a lot of insight onto whether, you know, you're going to like the pregnancy is, is advancing like it should. Um, so I had moved to Florida. Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't in Nashville anymore. And, um, but I still had my doctor in Nashville and because we had been through so much together, I was like, I don't want to, at this point, this early in the game, like change doctors. Plus I had to travel to Nashville all the time for work. So it was super easy for, for me to have her, um, in the beginning. And so, you know, probably a week after I tested positive, I was in Nashville for work and I went in and saw her and she's like, okay, first thing we're going to do is check your hormone levels and make sure like we're doing, we're doing what we're supposed to do. So she did. And my levels looked awesome. She was like, woohoo, here we go. Like it looks great. And I would say probably two weeks after that, um, I like, and you know, in early pregnancy, like you kind of cramp anyway, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on in your body. Like your uterus is expanding all the things. And so you always have those like sensations, Um, but I had like that cramping sensation a little bit, it wasn't anything severe, but I would say within like 24 hours, I started bleeding Mm -hmm. and I knew, and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, (sighs) I've, everything looked perfect. Like I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Um, and you know, this, the second pregnancy actually was a normal, um, miscarriage, if you can call it that. And I'm, you know, it was like pretty solid bleeding for a few weeks and then it was over. Um, Mm -hmm. so nothing like the first. Yes. And your body recognized it this time around and was able to do what it does when you miscarry. Um, which I can't, I still can't imagine that being any easier. I mean, it probably was, I, I mean, it, it was nice to not have a three month um, experience, right. but I I can still imagine it not being any less tough. But was there a fear at all because of what you've been through before? Once you started bleeding, like, am I going to have to go through what I went through again? Or because of your initial visit, did you did were you confident that your body was going to do what it's designed to do? I mean, I think that there was a little bit of fear, um, just because, you know, you know, I should say like after the first one in 2016, I had a ton of tests done just to make sure like my, you know, fallopian tubes were unblocked. Like everything was the way it was supposed to be just because that happened. And it was like a suspected ectopic pregnancy, although they could never physically find it. Um, my doctor wanted to make sure like that something wasn't causing that to happen. And and all of my tests were like, you're fine. Everything looks great. You're fine. We don't know what happened and we're probably never going to know what actually happened, but we have suspicions that that's what it was. Um, but the second time, I mean, yeah, I was concerned. Um, and I thought, you know, hopefully (laughs) if this is going to happen, it's going to take a more natural course, Mm -hmm. um, just to, just be less, um, physically straining. I wouldn't say that there was any, uh, de- less like mental mm-hmm. strain with it, but definitely physically. And I think it allowed me to like process it and, and move on more quickly. Yes. Which, you know, if there's, if there's going to be any sort of light in this kind of situation, thank God for that. But how, how do you feel that both of these experiences impacted your life in maybe ways that were unexpected? Like whether it's something you learned or your outlook on certain things in life, how has, how has this affected you? Gosh, I mean, what's the saying? Uh, life's what happens when you're busy making plans, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, um, it, you know, me, you've known me for a very long time now. So, you know, I pretty much always have a plan Um, and I have that type A personality. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do, like down to like super healthy, all the, you know, all the things. And then 
everything should go like I plan it to. So mm-hmm. I think it was a unexpectedly like eye-opening experience to understanding that not everything is in your control, right? You know, even if you do everything in your power to make something, you know, what you want it to be, it's not always going to turn out that way. Um, and, and having to like accept that and know actually that it's, it's what is meant to be and not necessarily what you want are not, they're not the same thing. And that can be applied to like a bunch of different aspects of your life. I mean, even in the three years between my first and second miscarriage, my life changed dramatically. You know, I got a divorce, I moved to a different state and, um, it was just being able to be like, okay, everything's not going to go the way that I think it should, or that I want it to, but I'm going to be okay anyway. Absolutely. And I feel like you just, you just answered my next question because (laughs) I think within this kind of emotional and physical pain and suffering, you, you don't see it in the moment, but you do become stronger for it. And I know that you definitely have, and it is, it's so hard, especially with your type A personality. I'm sure it's so hard to let go of what your plan is for your life and trust that what will be, will be, and there's always a reason for it. And we're, we're probably not going to know the reason, you know, but, um, it can make you stronger and make you just view life in a, in a more relaxed, isn't the word, but I feel like you can let certain things go when you've gone through something as intense as this, because you're almost forced to, but it's also, I'm, I'm, and I'm speaking from experience, so I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but it's, it's a little bit freeing. To you know. just the word right out of my mouth. Really? I was going to say like, it's as, as traumatic and awful and sad and, you know, all of the just negative things that come with it. You know, for me, it was, it was almost a freeing experience just to be able to understand that you can't control everything. Right. Yeah. And there's fate is a real thing. I've always believed in fate. I've always, you know, had faith and known that like things are going to work out exactly the way that they're supposed to, even though in the moment it is sometimes impossible to see that, Yeah. you know, in so many different experiences, you know, miscarriage is included, but like other experiences in life, you know, I always go, oh my God, hindsight's 2020 because mm-hmm. you can look back and understand not why it happened, but where you are now is, is, you know what I mean? It's like, everything just kind of works together. And I really do think that like everything happens for a reason. I know that's so cliche and like, no, you want to hear when you're, you know, you're going through something um, bad, but it's the truth. Absolutely. Um, and, And so that is definitely something that came out of that for me. Yes. And believing that you will get there is the start. You don't, you know, you don't have to feel that way right now. If you're, if if somebody, if anybody is listening to this and they're in the thick of it, maybe they've gone through a miscarriage somewhat recently, maybe multiple miscarriages. When you're in the thick of it, you, you don't want to have faith in the plans that God has set before you. For No. and, And you don't, you don't necessarily want someone to tell you that either. No, no. Um, So I think I definitely didn't, No, you know, it's, it's, it kind of like brings me to, you know, something else that this makes me think about, but it's, I feel like as a woman, as women in general, um, you know, most of us have like, we were little girls growing up and like teenage years and things like that. And you're like, oh, it's like, I'm going to have, I don't want kids or I'm going to have one baby. I'm going to have seven babies. Like you kind of have this image in your head, right. Of motherhood and, you know, what it's going to be like. And, you know, you get older and a lot of your friends like have babies before you. 
and you kind of sit back or other family members and you've like watched that happen. And a lot of times, um, you know, more times than not for me, like it was like, oh, we're going to, we want to have a baby. And then they're pregnant two months later and everything goes fine. And, you know, a few years later they have another baby and they don't have any issues. They don't have any issues getting pregnant. They don't have any issues. You know, it's like the way it's quote unquote supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, so the trauma of like having a miscarriage is it's so many different layers. I mean, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? Why does everyone else get to have like this seamless experience, you know, becoming a mother. And I think it's so important for like people that like me and like you that have experienced a miscarriage to be like, Hey, like it's okay. You know, we've been there too. There are so many people that have been there and it doesn't make you, you know, you shouldn't feel defeated. You know, that was like a big thing for me. I think, you know, just an overwhelming sense of loss, but also like you question so much about yourself and your worth. And that is not me. I mean, I have always been super strong-minded and, and very, you know, like in touch with who I am pretty much tell you, like, I see it, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I just, it's like to have something like that, break me down, um, was definitely an eye-opening experience because I, no matter how many ways you look at it, like you, there are questions that you can't answer. Um, and so I think that, you know, as women, like we, like I said, we always have this picture of how it's going to go and like we actually want to have children. And so having to accept that is, is also, you know, super hard to do. It's, it's not easy. You don't, you have a ton of questions. You're never going to have answered, but it also, like we touched on earlier, like it makes you so much stronger. It does. But I love that you talked about the fact that there are so many layers to it. Um, cause there truly are. And I have, we have different experiences because I am one of those people that for my first two pregnancies, it was pretty quick and right. it, um, I had two beautiful, healthy pregnancies and babies. And when we got pregnant with our third, it was after a vasectomy, which is also unheard of. And I mean, wild. I remember the phone call. I was like, are you kidding me? I know. I know. (laughs) You're not even like you are trying not to have another child. Yes, absolutely. And, and that therefore I just felt like, well, this child is meant to do such unbelievable things because God definitely wanted it to be here. Mm -hmm. And when I, I miscarried, there was so much anger And there was also so much guilt and shame because I didn't think that I would ever get pregnant again. So I was still drinking and, and not just like drinking occasionally, like a glass or two or three, almost every night. Like I was in the thick of my more moderate to heavy drinking and I was like, oh no, I wasn't taking prenatals. I wasn't doing any of the right things. So when I miscarried, I'm like, well, that's clearly my fault. Even though I could have never known that I would get pregnant, I put it all on myself and I was angry at God. I'm like, why would you, why would you do this to us? Mm-hmm. Like, why would you do this to us? I don't understand. Um, and the other layer of that for me was, you know, and people always want, and I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this too, and I might've done it to you, but um, people always want to say something that they hope will make you feel better that doesn't really do anything or can actually do the opposite. But when you hear people say, well, thank God you have two beautiful, healthy boys, of course, I know that I do. I am so grateful to God that I have them. Like I I thank the Lord every day for those two beautiful boys, but it does not take away the pain of losing another child. 
Like it's, it's separate. It's completely, it's, it's completely separate from the experience. And, you know, I'm, I guess I would think of it as the, to the equivalent of like, well, you can try again. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever told you that. I don't think so, but I see exactly what you're saying. Like, you know, I don't have any children to like have someone say that to me, but you know, in that moment it's irrelevant. Yeah. 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 Because you know, it's the same, it's like the same loss. It's the same feeling of like being empty and no matter what the circumstances are, I feel like you're as a woman, you do question yourself. Like, oh my gosh, is this my fault? What's wrong with my body? Am I incompetent? Mm -hmm. You know, you feel shame. Um, and, and so you have to process like all of those different feelings and, and gosh, you know, it takes some time. I'm the worst at always have been, you know, I go through some, some sort of traumatic experience and I'm, I'm pretty solid for like the first year. I mean, seriously, like a year. And then I'll like, it'll start to creep back up because I didn't fully process it. Um, And so, you know, that's another like kind of learning experience for me that's come out of this is like, you have to deal with it head on and, you know, as painful as it is, once you do, you, you just have so much more sense of peace. Um, Having had two though, you know, it, the second one wasn't any easier, Mm-mm. you know, having processed the first one, I was in completely different circumstances. Um, just in my life in general, yeah. better circumstances. And it, you know, it wasn't any easier because it's just like that same feeling of like loss yep. all over again and thinking, yeah. Oh my gosh, like I, you know, I have to try again. Like, what if this happens again? Like, am I, going to be able to deal with it. You know, you have that conversation with yourself. Um, but you know, for me, it's a, it's a conversation that took me a long time to be like, okay, like you can do this. There are people that have multiple miscarriages. And then finally, like what is supposed to happen happens. So, you know, I don't, I don't have like that now, am I, will I be devastated if it happens again? Absolutely. I will go through the mm-hmm. same grieving process. Um, but I'm also, I'm also not afraid of it. Yeah. Which is an incredible mental state to get to. And that takes a lot of work. And the one thing that I have always loved and admired about you is although you are very, very strong person and you, you tend to really like you said, be able to just tackle pain and trauma head on really easily. Not, not easily. Easily is not the word, but really well. You also are not afraid to seek help and you, you know, believe in therapy and you have done the hard work And I think that that is incredible and speaks volumes to how much that can really help your process of healing through this kind of grief, because this kind of grief is, it's really hard to process, I think, because it's such a lonely grief. You know, you and your partner are the only ones sometimes who even know that you were pregnant. And so it can be an extremely gut-wrenching and lonely experience. And that is so hard for people. For me, uh, that was not the case, which I I am thankful for. At first, I was like, it, it was just an extra punch to the gut because when when I had found, I found out a little bit later, I found out at 12 weeks pregnant that we lost the baby and I had already sent out our, so this is December of 2019. So I had sent out our Christmas cards, which had, you know, was announcing our pregnancy along with, you know, the picture of our, our pictures of our family and whatnot. I was announcing our pregnancy 
and David and I talked about the experience of getting pregnant after a vasectomy on my podcast. And that released literally the day before I found out. So everybody knew that I was pregnant. And the reason I did that, typically you don't, most people anyway, don't announce their pregnancies until they are in their second trimester, start the second trimester. Well, you were right there. I was, yes, I was right there, but I also, this was the earliest I had ever announced a pregnancy. And it was because I just felt so confident (laughs) that God had a purpose for this child that I just never thought that that it would end in, in a miscarriage. So through the weekend, I am like still carrying this baby who has passed away. I mean, the baby is not living and I had to have a a DNA and I found out on a Thursday that we lost the baby and I had the DNA that Monday. So all weekend I'm getting text messages congratulating me. That because your Christmas card had gone out in the mail because my our Christmas card had gone out and and or people listened to the show, so it was just a double whammy of, you know, grief and not knowing how to even. I didn't even know what to say. Um. So it, but I but I do. So for me, once I finally told everybody what happened you know, I did have a lot of support, which I was very thankful for, but I know a lot of people do not. Um, but yet someone like you, who I knew went through this experience, you were the first person I talked to. I was literally in. So after you find, I don't know if you've ever, well, I don't know if you've experienced this because your situations were a little bit different, but for me, I was going in for a regular 12 week appointment And there was no heartbeat. And so I had an ultrasound and that confirmed that there was no activity. And so they took me to this random room that you could tell was like a grieving room, you know, like you could just, you could just tell that that was the purpose of the room. So it was already tough to be in there. And then I called you when I was still in that room. Because well, I, I was think like, David was working, right? He was. So I, I couldn't, I, yes, I did try to call my husband first I know. <laughs> before wifey, <laughs> but you were a close second. <laughs> and then I called you because, and I think I text you like SOS or something. You did. Yes. That's exactly what happened because you, I just texted me like nine one one or something. Yeah. And I was like immediate, you know, response, but the, that, you know, gosh, it's like at that point, had I had my second miscarriage? Yes. 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 So I had, had two. Yeah. And, you know, even to like have your best friend just, you know, in shambles, it's, it's like, it just, it makes me sick now to even think about it, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, in, in my mind, knowing that there is nothing I can say to make you feel better. There, yep. I mean, I, I just, having experienced it, you know, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, she's there by herself. David's not even home. And, you know, and knowing the journey that you had been on with that pregnancy, like, I mean, it was like the miracle baby. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the announcement had gone on and, you know, it's just, it was just, um, very, um, in that moment, you know, I was like, this is, this cannot be happening. Yeah. And I, th- I think in that moment for me, I knew exactly how you felt because I, when, when you told me about your first two miscarriages, I, I didn't know what that felt like. I could be there for you. I could tell you wifey, I'm so sorry. I am hurting for you. And I genuinely was, but I didn't know the, that gut wrenching pain. I right. had no idea until that moment. And I, I felt like I gen, oh, I'm going to tear up, darn it. Um, but seriously, like in that moment, while talking with you in that room, I not only was grieving my baby, but I was kind of grieving yours too. Like, I remember feeling 
those emotions because I was just like, oh my gosh, she's had to go through this twice. I, that's so heavy. Like I cannot handle Well, and you know, likewise, I mean, obviously like we're the best of friends. So like if one of us hurts, the other one hurts, but you know, likewise, like being on the other end of the phone and knowing I'm like, oh no, because it's not something you would wish on your worst enemy, right? No. To have someone that you love experiencing it and knowing that the like grief that they're going to go through and, and there's support you can, yes, you can support. And, you know, you had a confident, you know, confidence in me because I had physically been through it and things like that, but it doesn't make it any easier, you know, and just being on the other end of the phone, knowing what you were facing was, you know, it was heart-wrenching. It was, it's something I never, like I said, you just, you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. No, I have said this um, before to friends, people, I might've even have said this on this podcast as well, but um, cancer felt like a blip compared to the grief of losing a child. Like I, which blows people away when I say that, but it was so much harder losing my child than going through a cancer diagnosis. That's how, that's how big and heavy this is. Well, and I think, you know, to something that I've thought about, especially like, you know, us saying like, let's talk about this. Let's talk about if we're going to do a podcast together, like let's talk about something that matters and something that is not necessarily easy, but hopefully like helpful. Um, but you know, the other, the other side of this too, and you saying that about cancer versus like a miscarriage is when you have a miscarriage, like you're not the only person grieving, but you also feel like you're responsible for it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, your, your partner is grieving. I mean, that was, you know, the worst part for me almost, um, especially in my second, you know, uh, ultimately like my first miscarriage was, was the beginning of the end of my marriage, but, you know, out of respect of privacy, I'm, you know, I won't go into it, but all yeah, of that, but the second, you know, it was a, it was so devastating to see the pain on his face, you know, and, and knowing like, yes, I'm physically going through it, but like, he's, he's grieving too. And he doesn't even have like anything of substance. Like he just has the, the loss of like, one day you're going to be a dad. Right. Yeah. And, and it's like one of the biggest things that's happening ever happened in your life. And the next day you're not. And so, you know, there's, there's that you carry that as as the woman, like as the person that physically is losing the child, you know, in my situation, like I tell my mom everything, like immediately they were super tight. So my mom knew both times, you know, I, first time I was seven weeks, the second time I think it was eight weeks Mm -hmm. and my mom already knew. And it was like, I remember the second time, especially I was like, the last thing I wanted to do was call my mom and tell her not because, you know, like I knew she was going to be my biggest source of like strength, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to tell her, like, I didn't want her to be sad for me. I didn't want her to grieve. I didn't, you know, and so you carry everyone else's grief too, in a lot of respects. Yeah. Um, you know, I know with you, like David and, and him having to, you know, go through that with you and, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if your mom knew or not, but like, it's just, she did. Yeah. Yeah. It's that feeling too. Mm -hmm. So it's not just you, it's the people that are also hurt by it, but you're the one that's like physically going through it. It's a very, like we've said, complicated layered situation. So it is. And it's so mind blowing to know that it happens to one in four, one in five women. It's about 20 to 25% 
of us are in or 20 to 25% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. So one in four to five, we're right. We're right smack in the middle there, which is so many women. We all carry this. I I say this about, about cancer, but we're all a part of a club that we don't, we never thought we'd be in that we don't, we don't necessarily want to be in, but to talk about it, to make women feel less alone about it, help women to feel less guilty about it, because there is ultimately nothing to feel guilty about. There's nothing that you could have physically done to either, whether it's my situation where I never thought I'd be pregnant again but I carry the guilt and the shame because I wasn't treating my body like I would if I had been trying to get pregnant or someone in your situation who you were doing all the right things. Right. And you're like, why did this still happen? Right. And everywhere in between the there's guilt and shame. And we have to find a way whether it's seeking help or just really doing our own heart work to know that we need to let that go because it's, it's not healthy. It's only going to weigh you down. It's not, you're always going to grieve. Like the grief is always going to be there, but you don't need to add guilt and shame on top of it because it's just, it's, it's just not the truth of the situation. Right. And I think, you know, putting in the, the work of therapy, um, you know, something like you mentioned earlier, I, I believe in it. Um, I think it's a great thing, especially if you find someone that, um, you really connect with and it can help you and your like, whatever situation you're in. Um, you know, for me, it was just more about processing and, you know, not, pushing things down to where like, they're going to come back up and bite me a year, a year and a half later, you know, like letting yourself feel what you're supposed to feel so that you can process it in a healthy way. And, you know, quote unquote, move on. It's like you said, like, it'll always be there, but you know, it just, it kind of just becomes part of your story. Like it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to define you. And I think that that is like the the, for me, the best place like I can be in, you know, I don't looking forward, like, yeah, I want to have kids. Yes. I want to be a mother. Um, and, and I'm not scared to try again. I'm not scared mm-hmm. to like go through that again because yeah, it, it could happen again and it will be just as painful as it was the first two times, but you know what? I survived the first two times. And if I am meant to go through it again, I'll survive it again. I think that is such encouragement wifey for anybody listening, because that is, is what we need to hold on to is the hope for the future because Absolutely. we have hope. We should have hope. We have, oh my gosh, so much medical ad- advances now that can really help in getting pregnant and there's also so many options. So we, we have hope. It's not a hopeless feeling, you know? I mean, gosh, I've never, I'm about to say this, but I haven't even talked to my husband about it. So. Okay. <laughs> I better, good. I better, t- I better talk to him about it before this episode gets released. But I, you know, I physically cannot have children again. Correct. And back in May of 2019, or actually really, I should say October 17th of 2019, I was fine with that. Like I was 100%, we are done. We're good. Our family is complete. And October 18th is when I found out I was pregnant. And after the initial shock, you know, I was in love with this child. Like you, you do, you get a a motherly love for your child and you, I got excited. And when I got cancer very shortly after, you know, or I found out very shortly, um, after finding out that I miscarried, I, 
I knew the path that I was, that my body was about to take. And I knew that that wasn't going to be a possibility again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not impossible, but I would be like 45 <laughs> before <laughs> it could happen again. And that's, hey, but plenty of women at 45 are having perfectly healthy babies. 100% <laughs> for, and it for, might be it's, me. It's well, no, I, if I actually want, like had, hadn't had kids and wanted to, it's more of like a, I will have a 15 year old and a 13 year old. And do I want a newborn at 45? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Lots to consider there. Yes. But, and I am not seeking it out. Definitely not right now but I've always thought about, you know, this, this love that I had for my child who I'll never get to hold Earthside. I, I feel like there's a part of me that wants to explore uh, being a foster parent to even older children um, and just extending that love in that way. And that is kind of a piece of me that finds hope in the future to kind of almost be like a full circle thing. You know what I mean? I'm not wording it correctly, but just kind of bringing the whole experience full circle to like, where do I go with this love? You know, like, where do I, where do I go with this? And that's how it is for me, but there's, there's hope no matter what. And I think that that is the important thing for people to know. And I just, I'm so in awe of you for that strength and grit that you have always had, but it has served you so well. And it has served you in being such an amazing friend too. I don't want to talk about this too much because we're talking about miscarriage, but just when when I had my cancer diagnosis, I knew that I was, I was going to have somebody in you that wouldn't let me wallow (laughs) and that wouldn't let me think of the worst thing that could happen. And you were just there for me after my double mastectomy, just sitting beside me in bed. I was right there in bed. That was like the first thing you saw when you woke up. No, yeah. you know, I, that experience for you and, and like comparing it to miscarriage and all of that, they're just two different things. But, um, you know, my, my oldest brother had, had gone through cancer. And so I, completely different. Like, you know, he had lymphoma, you have breast cancer, you're a woman. There's so many different things that go into it, but you know, I was like, okay, we got this because I had gone through it with him. I didn't know a lot about breast cancer, but you know, I knew enough of the lingo to understand like what was happening when you were going to the doctors and what they were saying and things like that. And, and, you know, it wasn't that I didn't let you wallow. I, I think I just, it was like, in my mind, I just wanted you to be in that headspace of like, okay, there's no way that this is not going to work Yeah, because it's yep. so important. You know, I remember not to go down the rabbit hole because that is not what this is about, but you know, I remember being like 22 when my brother was diagnosed and seeing him so sick and literally I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, I was sick. I couldn't look at him. And he looked me dead in the face and he was like, I'm not going to die. Mm -hmm. Like I am going to beat this. And I believed him wholeheartedly. And so I, I just knew like that grit that like, okay, like we've got this, you've, you've got a family, you've, you know, like that's the headspace I wanted you to be in. And so, yeah, and it helped. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a Higby family grit because, <laughs> and your brother helped me so much too. I talking to him, what I loved both. And it's talking to your brother was honestly just like talking to you because he was so nonchalant about chemo. He was like, Oh, you'll be fine. 
Like, yeah, this stinks. You're not going to like this. I nonchalant about that, but he is very, he's very straight and to the point like me, I guess. Well, I guess because he had been through it, he felt like he had the experience to be able to say, eh, you're, you're good. You just, you're going to feel like crap the first few days after chemo and then you'll be fine. And, you know, you'll just have a, a rough four to six months and then it'll all, it, you'll feel better three months after you're done chemo. You'll feel like your normal self again. And I just, I needed that, which you not, not so much with, with chemo, but with other things in life, you have that same perspective, like that positive perspective. And that's, that's what he did for me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, he is wifey's brother. (laughs) I loved it. I needed it. Well, and I think like even marrying like both of these topics together, you know, it's, it's both are like extremely traumatic and extremely painful. And in the moment of going through something like that, it is, it's, you feel so helpless and like Mm -hmm. you, you don't really necessarily have hope when you're grieving. Right. But if you kind of take like those experiences, whether it's you're looking down the, you know, road of six months of chemo, or you're looking down the road of however long it takes you to grieve losing a baby in five or 10 years, like, or or less, you're going to look back and that those few months of your life that almost like break you down and like, you know, quote unquote, almost take you out, like are so insignificant compared to like where you are. You know, so just trying to like, I try to like, keep that in mind of like, okay, right now, like it sucks. And, but I know that six months, a year from now, a year and a half from now, like it is going to become less and less significant and it, and it's not gonna, it's not going to consume me. It's not going to define who I am. Um, and, and so just trying to like, keep that kind of thought in your head has really helped me. Wifey, you are so encouraging. I do want to remind people that your name is Karen. (laughs) Not to you, it's not. Not to me, but (laughs) this has been such a raw, real, and encouraging conversation for a topic that is just so painful and so tough to get through. Thank you so much for being open and willing to share it with everybody and to... Get, bring some light to it and some hope to it. I just, I thank you so much and I cherish our friendship and I love you. I love you too. Thank you for having me. Um, I hope, you know, if anything, if it just helps one person understands, uh, you know, what they're feeling or, or gives them a little, little more hope, um, you know, that's, that's all we can hope for. So I'm glad that we got to talk about it. It's not something that I honestly have never really openly talked about it before outside of like my super tight knit close circle. I'm pretty guarded, but you know what? I think it's important. Absolutely. And I, I know it will. I know that God will use it all for good. Like he always does. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the failing awesomely podcast. I hope that you can take away some encouragement and heartfelt understanding of what it's like to go through the loss of um, a pregnancy. And I hope that you have found comfort if that is in fact you. I want to extend that both Karen and I are open to anyone who might not feel like they have a really great support system around them but have experienced a miscarriage and just don't know who to turn to message us I will have all the ways to get in touch with us in the show notes and I encourage you to reach out because we are both I mean I think we've blatantly shared that we are open books about this and many more things and we want to help. That's why we had this conversation to begin with. So please reach out. And if you enjoyed the episode and enjoyed the podcast, please go on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give the show a five-star review. That would really, really help me 
to reach more listeners who need to hear these heartfelt stories. Thank you again so much for tuning in, showing up, and supporting me. Go out into the world today and ask God, God, how will you use me today? What will you have me say? What will you have me do? What will you have me share? And be well. Be awesome.